Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, we are a day away from pre-season officially kicking off for Manchester United. They play Leeds in Nor- I believe it's Norway on Wednesday, 4pm UK kickoff, I've just discovered. So that's a, a bit of a weird time, not in the evening, uh, but nevertheless, last season's football season finished and already we're back into the new one. You excited, Rob? Excited, is that the word? A little bit, yes, like in the sense that I, I'm a kind of person that just likes to get into the football bit. Like we have to do all the other stuff, transfers, gossip, your controversy, all of those things. We do talk about everything, but it's just nice when there's a little bit of football and we actually get to sit down again, both as supporters and as a journalist, as I said to you off camera, and kind of make notes about what you're seeing and kind of going, oh, look, the business of football is starting again. So, yes, yeah, so I am actually going to say I'm excited and uh, at a nice afternoon kickoff time where most people will miss it, but plenty of people around the world will get the chance to watch it. Yeah, uh, we will see if any... New face. I was going to say new faces, but there's only one so far. <laughs> Mason Mount, we'll see if he makes his debut. Yeah. We'll talk about the Leeds friendly later in the show. But today we'll also talk about some players who could potentially leave the club, Donny van der Beek and Fred, to add to the sad goodbye David De Gea said to the fans on Saturday. Obviously, we recorded a show on Friday saying it was likely that he would go. And obviously, he confirmed that then on Saturday is the first show we've done since. We'll also talk Ahmad Hannibal and a whole topic section on who should be United's captain next season because Rob and myself have spoken off camera and we have our own pick which is the same person uh, but fair to say I think Bruno Fernandes will get it if they are going to change captain but yes we'll, we'll have a wider conversation on that and yes we'll talk some other contenders as well subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple Google Spotify and the likes and head over to the channel like subscribe Leave a comment for us on the YouTube and follow us on social networks. Rob is still on Twitter at underscore Rob underscore B at Promise and MU for the show. And I'm on all social networks. TikTok. Literally TikTok. all social Twitter, networks. Twitter, in the universe. Uh, Instagram, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Double underscore Scott Saunders. I couldn't even get through that properly. Uh, and come and join us in Las Vegas from July 28th at UnitedCon. That is really close now. Really quite close. Uh, United's preseason will be in full swing by that point. Uh, United play Dortmund in Las Vegas. We'll be there for that. Visit united-con.com to book your place now if you'd like to join us. Plenty of former players and familiar faces in the United fan community that you might know will also be there as well. So let's start. Should we do a quick ode to Dave? Yes. Um, Yeah, I think it's... It's it's sad in the circumstances, really, how this has come about. Uh, we've obviously spoken about how United didn't really deal with his contract in the right way. Uh, but when you take a step back, regardless of the circumstances, 
it was a necessary decision. And I think the fact that De Gea has now confirmed he's left the club means that United can move on, move forward. Andre Onana still not confirmed yet, but it will be at some point this week. We said it would probably be confirmed or near there by the time we recorded this show. Turns out, no, but we'll say that again by Friday. Probably we're looking at Andre Onana succeeding David De Gea officially in the United goal. Uh, sad moment, Rob. Really, just because he he does he go down as a legend? Let's just say let's just say that one. And where does he rank in? You know, United have had some great goalkeepers in the past, but I'm seeing a lot of Schmeichel van der Sar. And oh, um, obviously the news about Edwin van der Sar over the last few days, mm-hmm. uh, really awful. And we wish him the very best in his recovery. Hope. It's, it's just a, a terrible situation. Uh, thoughts go to his family, everyone involved, and obviously best wishes to Edwin on a recovery. But yeah, uh, a word on that, Rob, I guess, first of all. Yeah, well, look, the, the Edwin news is shocking and sad. Um, David leaving the football club to me isn't particularly sad. It's part of the business of football. But, you know, as you said there, hope that obviously Edwin makes a, a full recovery when these things happen suddenly with health they are shocking moments for everyone. Uh, and all you can do is kind of keep your fingers crossed uh, and hope the, that he can can get back on his feet soon. And, of course, all of us wish him the very best. Uh, and we're all fighting in his corner and hopefully he'll be uh, he'll be back soon. Yeah. Um, van der Sar obviously is a United legend along with uh, Pierre Michael. Yeah. How does David De Gea fit into that mix? Because he won Player of the Year four times, right? Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I did a tweet. This always seems to start like that, didn't it? I did a tweet. I put out there, really, I've said this before, so it's not new news and it's not my, like, it's not a contrary opinion just because I'm trying to be funny on Twitter or something. But I said, you know, I've, I saw Schmeichel all the way through. I'm going to tell a little Schmeichel story, actually, in a second as well. Um, and, uh, and Schmeichel was brilliant. We know how great he was. He was a fantastic goalkeeper for Manchester United. For me... This is just as a match going fan, supporter, journalist, human being, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. For me, the best goalkeeper I've ever seen play for Manchester United is David De Gea. That's the truth. Now, that's not me saying with a caveat, David's rubbish with his feet, because we know he is rubbish with his feet. But I think over a longevity period, Scott, and like <clears> you said there, what does what does a legend? What is a legend? Well, yeah, for most clubs, or, or a legend isn't someone that wins trophies. A legend is about service. Manchester United, we're spoiled. Even today, we're still spoiled because we talk about everything in terms of silverware. We don't talk about longevity generally. But to play at Manchester United for over a decade, it's kind of almost impossible, isn't it, at a club like United? It's so rare you get the Roonies of the world, you know, and the Carricks or whatever, people who have that longevity. But it's rare for someone to stay at one club that long, isn't it? Especially a foreign import. So I think when I look at David De Gea and look at his body of work, um, to me... He is a legend and he is the best goalkeeper we had. And the reason why I say that is because he played almost exclusively at Manchester United through a period where we were trash. And that was the word I used. You said it to me, Scott, a few weeks ago and you said it on camera, actually. Or the period you've covered Manchester United as a journalist and me as a journalist. Yeah, Man United have been pretty bad. Our work and our lives have been talking about how bad this team is. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll say that again. I started working in football media in David Moyes' first season as Man United manager. That was when I started. Lucky you is what I'll say to that. But yeah, I I started writing slightly before that. And I think um, 
you know, during that period, we have to we've had to talk about a lot of bad things, haven't we? One person that saved Man United year after year after year after year after year after year when Man United and we were talking about can we get top four and ended up fifth, sixth, wherever. David De Gea kept United afloat for years. I was at games where, like, you'd had 30 shots at you and he'd just save them all and you'd be like, oh, God, without De Gea today, I don't know what happens here. Now, I know that gets easily forgotten. We, we move on and we have different aspirations now. Anana's going to bring a different kind of profile to the goalkeeping spot. And we do need it, no doubt about it. But people forget very easily, Scott. They forget so, so easily. Um, Peter Schmeichel was brilliant, but he had a rick in him. And he had a mistake in him and he made mistakes regularly, all the time, kicking errors, handling errors, all sorts. But we forget because he's the treble winner and he won loads and he was a legend, rightfully a legend, but he was not perfect. Uh, I was going to a little a story about uh, Peach Mark I'm going to just add in there. I remember the first day I ever saw him at Old Trafford, there was a guy walking through the crowd and I was walking through the crowd too, going towards the Stratford end. And this guy was all through and he had big blonde hair. He was really tall, didn't know who he was. And he walked up to me up cl- close. I looked down and he had red feeler trainers on. And all I remember was thinking, oh, I love those trainers. I want those trainers. And as he walked past me, someone said to me, oh, that's our new goalkeeper. We signed him last week. And I was like, really? And we saw him that day. I think it was Notts County. And and he made two or three mistakes that day on his, on his debut. But... Schmeichel had a better connection with the fans in a way because he's got that gregarious personality which I think De Gea is a little bit more demure isn't he and you know didn't really have maybe that outwards projection with a lot of the fans but for me and just for me I don't know what you'll say Scott you might say something different David De Gea is, is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen at Man United he edges out Schmeichel he edges out Van der Sar and someone even said to me the other day Gary Bailey and I was like oh, come on like I remember when Gary Bailey was a goalkeeper everyone was just would be nuts about him and be like, it just made error after error, error all the time. But he was really popular as a goalkeeper. So, yep, he leaves for me as a legend. And there's no doubt, Scott, if he came back next year, if he walked out at Old Trafford, he would get the biggest. He'd have a testimonial. Like, I, I think... Exactly. Honestly. He deserves but, it. Player of the year not, how many no. times? Yeah. Sorry, Scott. I just, like, pre-season set already. But, like, hmm. you know, I think... As much as like, I think Bruno Fernandes put on his Instagram, um, yeah, it shouldn't have ended like this. You should have said goodbye to the fans in the stadium. Um, it doesn't work out like that most times. Obviously, a lot of there's not many United players who've had that privilege of being able to say goodbye to the fans, no, and announce it ahead of time. Uh, but you know, I think De Gea always been a favorite with the match going fans. Um, and yes, yeah, it's a shame in the circumstances, but it is business. And I think just an additional comment there, Rob, I think we should make a separate podcast series all about Peter Michael's red feeler trainers. Uh, I'm up for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and but, I didn't know who he was. I was only a kid, you see. I walked through, walking through there and this guy he was massive and walking towards us. And I was like, oh, those trainers. And, and he, was in, he was in a kind of like suit. But not a suit, like with a T-shirt, and it just looked wrong. Like <laughs> he was standing up at Old Trafford for his first day at work, and I was walking around the Stratford End, and um, and yeah, look, I, I think Schmeichel became a legend. Like no one knew who he was, and then he had that run with Denmark, and obviously was great for us for so many years. There was still a lot of Man United fans, Scott, who have not forgiven him for playing for Man City. A lot, yeah, I know a lot. Still, that is the caveat they always use. They go. Oh yeah, the treble winning season was great. Yeah, I loved that, that team. 
I don't love Schmeichel anymore because I saw him walk out of Old Trafford in blue. And I get that. That was a really hard thing for a lot of people at the time. I think the current fan forgets that because, you know, it was longer than five minutes ago. So it's like that didn't happen. But it did happen. It was a big deal at the time. And this was a legend of our football club playing for the team we, you know, one of the two teams we hate the most. So that does live on, unfortunately, for Peter Schmeichel. And I don't know. I think Schmeichel might regret that now. Yeah, possibly. I mean, just my two cents there. Uh, Peter Schmeichel was in goal when I was growing up. Hmm. And he was the one that really captured my imagination as a kid. You remember that game at Newcastle? The... uh, when United were chasing Newcastle down, Cantona scored mm. in the, I think it was the second half. But I remember speaking to my parents, like me being the, I, I couldn't have been that old at the time, like seven, eight, I would say. And I was watching the match and like Cantona scored the winning goal. And I was like, I love Cantona, you know? And I was like, they, they, Sky used to do this, call in for your man of the match. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, can we call in? I want to put Cantona down as a man of the match. And my parents were like, Peter Michael's man of the match. Peter Schmeichel's been the man of the match. <laughs> he saved bloody everything. And he was, I think. Uh, but I think for me, that is... Uh, you're right though, Rob. I know he made a lot of errors, but he's kind of held up in this regard of he was in gold through United's dominant years. Probably more dominant than even Van der Sar's years. I don't know in, in terms of how many yeah. trophies, but you I know that, that was when in, in the 90s when Peter Schmeichel was in gold, that was when United were at their absolute pomp. And you could argue the 08 team are better. But, you know, uh, Schmeichel for me was the one that captured my imagination. But it's a very, very valid point you make about him going to play for City. But anyway, yes, uh, David De Gea has said goodbye. We're gone, going off topic a little bit there. But he, yeah, Manchester will always be in my heart. It's shaped me and will never leave me. Uh Nice statement that he made, but it was the right mm. decision in the end. Definitely. And United have to move on. As a business decision, it was the right decision. Get his wage off the books, but also get his issues off the books and bring in a goalkeeper that can help you with stuff that you're not so good at. So I don't think that's a an emotional thing, you see. I always look at that as really salient. I'm kind of stoic with those things and say, right, hang on. You need to do this to win football matches. That's the business we're in. But no, thank thank you to David for his service. You know, fantastic goalkeeper. People need to get over fax machines now. Stop messaging me and tweeting me saying about fax machines. Like, that was a long time ago. Uh, we're looking at the body of work. Um, and I think that, that he'll come back to, to United. There's no doubt about it. And and will be given the warmest welcome. Like you just said there, Scott, match-going fans like De Gea because there's so many times we've walked out that stadium going, Oh my God, we didn't have De Gea today. And and that was a common thing for years. So much so that he won player of the year like multiple times. So mm. a legend at a football club. And again, just thank, thanking him for his service and good luck to him in the future. It's one of my aspirations in, in football media one day to sit David De Gea down and talk about music. <laughs> oh, uh, you and him and just, Metal be like a six-hour interview. <laughs> he's getting he's so like... much stick. I, I mean, Luke Shaw uh, was one of the... Uh, Ashley Young, I think, gave him a bit of stick in the comments as well for his music taste, what he put on in the dressing room. Uh, but I would like to dig into De Gea's mind and understand what his tastes are. But yes, uh, let's talk about players who could follow David De Gea out the door as well. Fred is... I think this one's a real... got a real possibility of happening. Yeah. 
you know, uh, by the way, let us know your comments on David De Gea in the in the comment section or on any of the social networks at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show as well. Uh, we did a story on Nightingale.com yesterday about interested clubs in Donny van der Beek. There's a lot of them, but he's not top of their lists. Let's just say that. And also, I think the way it's looking, it's more likely to be a loan than a permanent transfer as it stands, unless United get pretty... Unless they go down... Well, they might have to sell him for 10 million or less. I don't know. But Fred has a decent chance of fetching a bit of money. Which which one do you think is more likely to leave? Both. I'm. I will predict that neither will be playing for Man United on the first day of the season. So why? So what? Where, where do we stand with both players? I think the thing is that Fred has a market, and a Fred. Uh, uh, the Fred market was created by Fred last year in the last two years, and has shown that he can do different things. But I also think that his limitations in the centre of the park do hurt Man United, and we saw it last year, didn't we, Scott? Whereas he kind of dropped out the rotation a little bit, ended up on the bench. And all of this, oh, well, Fred's really good with Casemiro. Well, that's not what the stats say. The stats say that Fred and Casemiro was a bit of a dead duck, wasn't particularly good at all. Um, and I think the manager saw that and kind of pushed Fred towards the sidelines. When we talk about Donny van der Beek, you're saying there about a loan. Um, I, I think the situation with Donny van der Beek is this, is that Man United is just going to have to give him away. It's just the truth. It won't be a free transfer, but it will be an undisclosed fee and it will be pennies. And... He might get used in a make weight in another transfer. That wouldn't surprise me. I keep saying this. You know, I think I think Donny has admirers, but for as many admirers that he has, there are plenty of people in the game that look at him and go, well, he's been a massive failure at Man United, not just because of the injury, but just when he's been on the football pitch, Scott, just not good enough. That's why he went and got Mason Mount. So I think both will be going out the door. And that will probably mean that you retain someone like, you know, Scott McTominay, who I think was probably favourite to leave, um, say, the end of last season when Newcastle were knocking on the door for him and now Newcastle are not knocking on that door so there'll be plenty of movement I think in the coming days ahead we'll be talking a lot about it but I think both players are kind of surplus to requirements especially if you go get Mount and then maybe you go get another number six well we know that United wants Sofiane Amrabat as well yes we won't talk too much about that today just because not yet um, as we've said already I mean United need to sell players in order to raise funds, in order to reinvest. And I would think Donny van der Beek and Fred are two of the players that you could or you should be getting out of the door before you get an Amrabat. Or maybe you get Fred out and then that raises enough money to get Amrabat from Fiorentina. 20, 30 million quid, I think you're looking at there. You could get a big chunk of that money back for Fred. So uh, we'll see. Van der Beek has a lot of interest, like I say, from a number of clubs, but he has not played any football. Let's, let's be honest. He's not played any football. He's lost his place in the Dutch national team and bit of a challenge for him to get his career back on track. Ajax, Feyenoord could potentially take him, but I think United just have to, and we'll talk about Harry Maguire in a little bit as well, because I think he falls into the same bracket here, but you know, there's a lot of players that United need to get out. We did a show last month on, all of the players that we think United should be trying to shift on. They haven't done many yet, if any at all. Uh, so no. they've got to get to work. Uh, what about Ahmad and what about Hannibal? Because they've both been in preseason training and you've seen video of them. You think, do you think it means something? 
Um, it's quite interesting with Man United socials when they start targeting players because they have been doing it with those two players quite a lot in the last week or so, kind of bigging them up. Both deserve to be bigged up, I think. It's also another player I think I'll add into the mix is Kobe Manu. So I think when you look at these youngsters, there's always a limited ceiling, Scott, in the short term, yeah? Like, you know, what opportunities will they get? Well, they'll be on the tour probably and they'll get minutes and those things. It doesn't mean they can just jump into starting roles or be on the bench, you know, for the first game of the season. Um, I really like Hannibal. I think there's a lot of upside to his all-round game. I think he's got a lot of energy. He's got a bit of bite. You know, he's a bit nasty. I quite like that. Uh, I think with Ahmad, it's about competition, isn't it? And about where you can you decide that he where he's going to play. It's probably better that Ahmad does go out on loan, maybe. That's not the football fan talking in me. Like, I want to see Ahmed play for Man United, but I also want Ahmed to carry on growing and developing with all those things. So when you look at the outgoings, like you just said, they've got to get on with it. I, I think there's a lot of talk at the moment about Man United's, you know, stagnation in the transfer market. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. Like, it really isn't not happening. There's a lot of stuff happening. It's just that you've got to find the right buyers and the right trajectory, haven't you, for a lot of these players going out the door. Um, but I would like to see Hannibal and, and Ahmed feature, especially on this preseason tour. Like, obviously, we will be there in Las Vegas. I'd love to see them start at Dort against Dortmund. Like, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in seeing them start for Dortmund than I am a Fred or a Van der Beek. Like, I ain't that interested in seeing them. <laughs> you know, I'd, write, I'd like to see some of the young players. Did, did we see, obviously, as well, Angel Gomez, successful campaign for England, a player that I used to big up all the time. And then when he left, people went, you don't know anything about football, Rob, do you? Well, Angel Gomez is a great player, or will could be a great player. I Jimmy Garner I as well. I wouldn't mind seeing Angel come back to United one day. Like It'd have to be the right opportunity. It'd be like Pogba, wouldn't it? Like We've signed him for a ridiculous free, and then he does nothing. <laughs> but... um. But please for Angel, but also just really, really shows, I think, the talent that Man United have got within the Man United factory. I think we can exploit that. Garnacho is a perfect example, isn't it? That if you put your faith in youth, um, you can develop them pretty quickly. So it's a, it's a wait and see with those two guys. But United have got a, a ton of really good youngsters. That's true. Also, I think that United didn't actually have a contracted player from any of the teams in that tournament, the European Championship and the 21 oh. tournament. But, you know, uh, they, they do have some other players who are pretty talented that should be pushing on the door. Will Ahmad and Hannibal do that in preseason? We will wait and see. Kobe's the that, guy. Kobe's yes, the guy. that is true, yes. Kobe's the guy. Like, he's young. He, he's got everything. And he is the one that, if you're a United fan who's a bit more casual watching our show just to kind of catch up on bits and bobs... Kobe's the one you should pay attention to in the same way we said exactly 12 months ago, Scott, pay attention to this guy called Garnacho. And people were like, but why? It was like, you're going to see why. And 12 months on, everyone knows who he is. I get the feeling with Kobe Manu, it's it'd be the same thing from, I think, 12 months time, people were saying he's a really, really good footballer. And thankfully, we've got him. Right. Let's move on to the question of who should be Man United's next captain? Now, reports or suggestions over the last few days that obviously I'm sure everyone has seen Harry Maguire in preseason training in his little camp. Uh, he's actually been training with Ricardo Carvalho as well. Did you see that, Rob? I did, yes, yeah. Yes, uh, Ricardo Carvalho putting the hours in multiple sessions a day, trying to work really hard to get back in the mix. Hmm. We did talk on, like I think it was last week's show, about how even a player like Harry Maguire could potentially 
be helped out by a player playing behind him in goal who could actually pass the ball and not give him hospital passes every five seconds. Uh, so we'll see. But obviously, Maguire, United would like to shift him. Suggestions over the weekend from elsewhere. United are looking for 50 million quid. They are not getting 50 million quid for Harry Maguire. And I think, you know, that will probably that might end up being the reason why Harry Maguire ends up staying at the club. He's on near 200k a week. Who is going to pay Harry Maguire 200 grand a week with a big transfer fee like that? Your options are very limited at best, unless he ends up going to Saudi Arabia or something. It's just not going to happen. So, but we do know Harry Maguire is not first choice. It would even not be a stretch to suggest that Harry Maguire is fifth choice centre back currently hmm. after the two obvious ones, Victor Lindelof and Luke Shaw. So do United have to change their captain? And can you see it happening? And then we'll get on to the question of who it should be in a second. Well, first of all, if he stays at the club, United are not going to strip him of the captaincy. It's just not going to happen. He will be one of those club captains in the background that does a lot of clapping and cheering and manages the dressing room and chats to people and all of that stuff. But you're paying a lot of money, aren't you, for someone to do that? And that's not productive. Um, let's put it like this. Manchester United have been looking for a buyer for Harry Maguire. There's no doubt about that. There is no market for Harry Maguire at that price at the moment. And like you said, I do believe that, that Lindelof and Luke Shaw are ahead of him in the pecking order. Now, does that mean that Harry Maguire won't play games next season if he was still at Man United? Well, no, because if he gets his form back or proves it behind the scenes, this manager will play him. This manager's not going to ostracise him in a way that, say, Jose Mourinho would do with players, is that he will say, well, if you prove it, then I'll go with you. And that's why players like Eric Ten Hag. So I think when you look at Harry Maguire, there's been a lot of chat this week about, you know, retaining Maguire is a sign of weakness, shows that Manchester United are not serious that Manchester United don't you know have a grip of what they need to do in their squad it's rubbish is what it is if you can't find the price for the player that you want to move on then it doesn't make sense just moving them on for 10 pence but if you're going to move them on because you're bringing in say someone like Kim which was the original situation with Manchester United where they wanted Kim they felt that they could move Maguire out quite easily and all of that collapsed Kim is now going to buy Munich Harry Maguire is still in your squad, but he's fifth choice, Scott. Fifth. So it's not a massive issue. It's not like he's the starter as of today, is it? So I think Harry Maguire, if he wants to give it a go and we can't shift him, then you're going to have to do that, aren't you? You're going to have to wave the carrot in front of his nose and say, well, prove it. Get your form back from three or four years ago. Where Do you remember the year we got to the um, Europa League final and lost to Virial? People forget that Harry Maguire was brilliant that season. He was brilliant. and He, he got, got injured in- and everyone was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> he got injured. And that's I think that's why we didn't win that game. I really do. I think like, we lost that, our leader. And that was, at, that was at that point where I think his stock had risen again and he was kind of showing why he, people rated him as a top defender. Now, look, if I could sell Harry Maguire tomorrow, I would. I'd sell him, yeah? You know, in the same way I used to say, if you can move De Gea out and bring in a new goalkeeper that helps you, I would do that too. But I'm not going to say that the season's a bust if you don't get rid of Harry Maguire, because that's what's being put out here, you know, like by, you know, all sorts of outlets that that it shows that Manchester United are weak. No, it does not. It means you have to manage your business correctly. And Harry Maguire, he's not going to be captain on the pitch, is he, Scott? Like, he just isn't. But if he's still at your football club, you have to work with him and find a route out. I think you still might find late buys for him, late bids. People will test the water. 
But now Man United are not going for Kim. Does it make sense to lose another defender when you've just let Axel Tunzebi go out the door? I don't know what's going on with Mengi. I don't know if he will be at the club or whether he'll be sold or whether he'll be loaned or whatever. But you've still got to keep some players for certain positions, haven't you? And Harry Maguire's not a bad backup in that sense. Do you know what I mean? If someone you could call upon, I don't even think he'll make the bench much, Scott, last, next year. Like If he's in the squad, I don't see him making a bench to come on. Do you get what I mean? I think Lindelof is ahead of him in that in that aspect. But we all know, we all know that last year, two primary centre-backs got, both got injured, didn't they? So it would be crazy to kind of just let all your defensive stock go because you think Luke Shaw's good enough to do that job. Well, what do you do at left-back then? You know, so... There's always additional problems, isn't there? Yeah, just to talk about Maguire for a second. I mean, obviously his camp have negotiated the wage that he's on. It's, But it's not uncommon that Man United, as a football club over the past decade, have inflated players' wages beyond belief. Yeah. And it is no coincidence that that is one of the primary reasons why they can't sell any players. Like totally. <laughs> United are they've put players on wages which are astronomically higher than any other league in the world, mm-hmm. barring PSG, Real Madrid, Barcelona. They're probably the only teams really that could and I'm not saying they're gonna sign Harry Maguire, but they're probably the only teams, and they're probably not even nowadays. They're the only teams who can even consider paying a player that much money as their club captain outside of the Premier League. So and then you look around uh, all the other top six clubs in the Premier League plus Newcastle. Maybe Newcastle is a shout for him, but that's not going to happen. Like, none of them are taking him. You yeah. want to offload him to West Ham? He'd be the highest earner. You know, this is like, it's not Harry Maguire's fault that United can't shift him. Like, yes, he's not performed to his maximum and there's an argument for that, but there's also things that you can say about the way that United have set up over the last few years, the fact that they haven't had a tactical identity since Eric, since before Eric Ten Hag has come in. Mm. Like, Harry Maguire is not, and everybody knows this, Harry Maguire is not built to play in a high line because he's too slow. And it's no coincidence that when he excelled at Leicester or when he excelled with England, I'll take England as the example, playing the back three. You know, these are not, it's not all his fault, is all I'm going to say, that United can't shift him. United have for years pay players far too much money to sit on the bench or just be a part of the squad. Their wages are inflated beyond belief. And they feel, I feel like they need to start addressing that. And with Andre Onana's reported wage, which is like 120 K a week. That's fine. Like that is kind of expected. Like if yeah. Onana flops, for example, and you have to sell him, there's probably a taker in two, three years time who will pay him equivalent money or a little bit less. So United don't have to then pay 10 million quid to pay him off or something like that. You know, Absolutely, it's it's yeah. just frustrating. I mean, you, Harry Maguire's getting a lot of pelters just for training. And I just don't think it's very fair. It's not fair. And I think, again, this is why I have to say we're, it's our brand here on the promised land or my brand or whatever. You know, but I think you need to have a little bit more of a salient thought process around footballers. Like, like and also look at it like this, Scott. If he does stay... Don't throw so much hate at him again at social. Like we just talked about David De Gea with this. David De Gea has gone out the door. And I'm sure David De Gea will be well paid somewhere else. But it's not nice, is it, that you know, he gives you all that service and then people literally crucify him as he goes out the door. Like, what's the point? So I know that's kind of trying to reroute the, the kind of the mindset of 
the common football fan on Twitter. And maybe that's unfair. <laughs> but I think when you look at someone like Harry Maguire, I think that next year, if he can get his form and fitness back with Anana behind him, he might actually look like a centre-back again. So you might be able to use him. Now, these are all mites, aren't they? This is not definites. But the only thing Harry Maguire is responsible for, Scott, is his training, his fitness and his form. And if he can get those things right, and footballers do miraculously do that, like when they've had bad years, bad two, three, four years, suddenly it clicks, something works, you know, to get a new fitness trainer or something changes, or you get a goalkeeper that can pass the ball to you. Would we do? That might help me as a centre-back. If you get that, then you get injuries. Maguire might step in and do the job. So I think the United fans need to, again, just get off this train of hype and hatred and just constantly like, I want what I want. You know, that makes, you know, because I love United and I want this, that, the other. Well, Harry Maguire, if there is a buyer there, Man United will sell. It's just that there isn't a buyer at the moment. It might be the case, Scott, that they should have done, gone and got Kim for that price, mid-40s, whatever the release ended up being, and let Maguire go for 20. And you'd have got him. You'd have sold him like that. Man United don't want to do that because no one wants that wage. No one wants to take that wage off Man United. So you can't do that. There's no point crying about it, is there? You know, you, you, you're stuck with him for a little bit longer. Better to work with him and maybe try and make him a little bit better rather than just kill him. And then when he has to play for you, he might not actually be motivated to play for you as fans because all you do is tweet him or Instagram him and tell him how awful he is. So, you know, support your own is what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I mean? At the same time. But I get why people doubt him as a, as a footballer. We've done that show a million times. But. It's not his fault that United can't sell him currently. No. United put him on that contract. United paid that money for him. You know? <clears throat> he didn't say pay 80 million for me, did he? Make me the world record uh, transfer for a centre-back. He didn't say that, did he? Leicester said that. And Man United, after a year of haggling, did it. But a year before that, we're like, oh, no, we're not paying 80. We'll give you 50. We'll give you 60. We'll give you, jump, we'll give you 63. What about 65? And it went on for like ever. And then you mm. got Maguire, didn't you? You know? Jose Mourinho famously wanted Harry Maguire and was like banging on the Man United board door saying, get me Harry Maguire because he was high at the top of his stock. But you're right. I also think system-wise, Scott, you talked about it there, the three at the back. Man United never really experimented with that enough. And I think if we'd done that maybe a year or two ago, I think Wally Gunnar Solskjaer maybe had something else in his playbook. That could have worked for Harry Maguire massively. I don't know why we didn't do it. I think it might have worked three five two or something like that. Um so, yeah, Maguire's going to have to fight his way into the team if he wants to stay. I'm sure that he would take an opportunity to leave as long as he's, you know, recompensed, as long as he gets his wage and can do that and can play in a team. You said they're like West Ham. Like, if he goes to West Ham, he would be their highest paid player. I don't know if West Ham fancy that. I don't think West Ham want that to be their benchmark when they're talking to all their targets. Taking this you know? player is on the decline, saying, hey, we're going to make you our highest, highest paid player. Like, yeah. It doesn't make any sense for West Ham to do it. Or any team. Like, it doesn't it's, make any. It, it, it's like Donny van der Beek. Like, people say, oh, what's his value? No, his true value is zero because he's done nothing. There's no market for him. Someone's going to take him off your hands, not because they think he's the best midfielder in the world. It's a little bit like Harry Maguire, though, isn't it? Like, he still gets in the England squad. So there is value there. People are going to say, well, he's worth it. But, you know, where does he end up, Scott? Like, I could see him really dropping through the kind of rungs and maybe ending up in a mid table team. Because that's probably the level, the right level, maybe as he goes on the decline. However, he might prove to us this year, Scott, 
that he's still an international class defender. He might do that, might get a chance, and we might go, him and Anana popping the ball around. It works, and we didn't see it coming. It's happened so often in football. Well, anyway, we, we presume, as it stands, fully fit squad, Harry Maguire will not start, right? So we've, we've established that already. Yes. And uh, by the way, I'm not saying that Harry Maguire is the greatest defender ever, no. that he should stay. We're just explaining why he's not left yet. And he might leave towards the end of the summer if United can get their ducks in order. But the way that United have managed their squad over the last 10 years, and they're starting to realize that you probably shouldn't do that now because all they're talking about is financial fair play. If, you, if you'd have given Harry Maguire 100 grand a week less and paid half the, half the transfer fee, you probably could shift him a Definitely. lot easier than the current situation. This is just the way it is. But it's on United to sort that out. That's going to take years to fix. If, it's an, a relatively encouraging start for me, the fact that, you know, Onana and Mount have come in and not massive, massive wages, like mm. in line with the squad. They're shifting high earners. David Hare's gone. Ronaldo's gone. All this kind of stuff. They're actually prioritizing players who are playing well. If you're not offering enough to the team, we'll get rid of you. And they have to take some hits. Arsenal did it. Look where Arsenal are, you know. Um, but let's talk about... Who is going to hold the captain's armband or wear the captain's armband in Maguire's absence? Do you think it will be Bruno Fernandes? Well, the short answer is yes. Of course it will be Bruno. You know, I think Bruno, we saw last season, even though he didn't really feature in the 10 as much as I would have liked to have seen him play, he, he was still on the pitch, wasn't he? Always on the pitch, left side, playing deeper, playing the eight, playing... He played left as well sometimes. Hasn't haven't seen him as a false nine, so I'd like to see that this year maybe at some point. Um, but he is the captain, isn't he? He's the guy who's going to wear the armband. But we both have, Scott, don't we? A different personal choice. Just personal choices. Like, we're not trying to upset people. But who would yours oh, be, Scott? Well, Are you going to well, say I'm... it? Shall I say it? Well, if you read Twitter, you know. I, I'll say it, but you can explain it because I think we're on the same page. But... I really like Lissandra Martinez. I think he would have a a strong shout if he was two years in. But I think he's just a little bit too new for me. And Bruno Fernandes has got that seniority in the dressing room in terms of being there for a longer period of time. And he's been here for three and a half years now, I'd mm. say. Uh, Leecher only one year. But he has all the tools to be one of the leaders in the dressing room. And there's obviously others around the pitch as well. But... Lissandro Martinez would be my ideal pick, but, well, give some more context, Rob, if you want. Well, he would be my pick too. Uh, and the context for me is this, is that uh, what you see, especially on the continent, not, not so much in the Premier League and in England, but it is on the continent, is that basically your, your most senior player, your oldest player is the captain. You go to Italy, that's how they choose it. They just, just say, you're 36, you're in the team, you wear the armband, that's it. You know, There's no kind of debate about whether a 28-year-old, a 24-year-old or 21-year-old wears the armband. It's just seniority. But in this country, we kind of, there's no doubt that the, the captain is a figurehead, I think, for the team. So, you know, we talked here about the past. I always remember the first captain I always remember is Brian Robson, of course. And Brian Robson was God. That's what Brian Robson was on a football pitch with that armband on and that shoulder being popping out of place as he fell over and would be constantly injured. But Brian Robson did everything, scored goals, set up goals, defended, threw his body in front of trains, all sorts for Man United, just did what he had to do. He was a leader of men, you know, the greatest captain Man United have ever had, bar none. 
you look at someone like Martinez, for me, he embodies the modern Manchester United. He embodies what Eric Ten Hag wants from his team and wants from his players. No offence to Bruno. People always go, oh, you hate Bruno, Rob. You hate Bruno. And this is why you do anti-Bruno content. I don't hate Bruno. I think Bruno's great. And I think Bruno as a 10 is brilliant. And, and I want to see him playing up there more this year. Does Bruno often embody Man United? Is he a little bit whiny, a bit whingy, a little bit falling over, a little bit shouting, screaming and crying, boo-hoo-hoo? Yeah, he is sometimes, isn't he? That's part of his personality. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be the captain. But I would like the captain to be someone that, is the guy that puts that first tackle in the one that goes, yeah, I'm only five foot nine, but come on, bring it. And I'm going to deal with you. Cause that's my job. I would rather have someone like that as captain than say Rolls Royce, like say Varane or someone like that. But I want someone who's going to put their body on the line for the team and always lead like that. So that would be my choice. That would be your choice. Scott, why would you want Lich Martinez to be the captain of Manchester United? He's just hard, isn't he? You know, it's hard, isn't that was it? the most that was the most Welsh thing I could have possibly said. But it, <laughs> <laughs> he's just, you know, you. I think that first tackle thing. I, I just think. Yeah. Remember that that day United beat Liverpool and he put that. He just gave Mo Salah like some kind of big tackle and then shoulder yeah. barge and Salah was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah. But United lack that kind of fight they've lacked that for a while and i feel like we're starting to get it back but lisandro martinez i think you're right rob epitomizes what ten hog wants in the united team intensity you know fight uh quality on the ball yeah intelligence and all of these kind of things he speaks english quite well as well now i didn't didn't even realize but there's been some clips of him and mason mount making up making friends after their fight on the pitch at old trafford last season Mm. Uh, saying that we're friends now, we're on the same team. He can communicate quite well, I would imagine, uh, but maybe one for the longer term. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, and and I think that you, you know, again, when you go look back, obviously famous captains, you know, look at Roy Keane. You know, Roy Keane actually wasn't a great verbal communicator. Like Roy Keane shouting at people isn't verbal communication. That's shouting at people. That's not the same thing. So I think the great thing about Roy was that Roy was a dog of war. He's physical. Roy was like, well, I can play football, but if you want to be like this, then I'm going to be like this and I'm going to I'm going to do you. You know, that's just the way it is. I'm the captain of this team. I will lead. Brian Robson was very similar. Robson's not remembered like that. But Brian Robson was the guy that, you know, there was a... I always remember a friendly years ago, right? It was like a rest of the world versus a Premier League thing. It was Brian Robson was the captain and Diego Maradona was the captain of the rest of the world team. And it was just a friendly. And Diego Maradona had the ball and was doing like that. And Brian Robson went bang and smashed him. And people were like... And Robbo picked him up and went, there you go, mate. I'm here now. Maradona didn't touch the ball for the rest of the game. So, like, that's, you know, I, I think someone like Martinez, again, in the Premier League, there's so much doubt about him last year, wasn't there? Especially from the likes to say, I'm going to name and shame Jamie Carragher. Oh, he's too small. He's too small. He's too small. At the end of the season, I oh, know he's not too small. He's pretty good. So I think he's earned that right. And as you said, maybe a year or two on, he might have got the captaincy. But yeah, I'd love to see him with the armband, leading Man United out and having that kind of chest puffed out because... He's what you want at Man United. That's the profile of player who's going to come and put their neck on the blocks for you each and every week. Play badly, okay, but give everything. And I think that that is, that's what we need. I think that's what Harry Maguire hasn't had, isn't it? Harry's a little bit more demure and quiet and a little bit pointy and a bit like, lads, lads. 
well, no, that doesn't really make anyone happy, does it really? <laughs> it doesn't look like leadership, I think. Uh, but it's going to be Bruno, and I've got no problem with that. Bruno's going to be the captain, and he's going to play. And let's hope we see Bruno higher up the pitch now because Mason Mount's in the team. Casemiro, another contender as well, but obviously, Definitely. you know... Uh... I don't think he necessarily needs to have the armband to be considered a captain. Uh, But let's, let's move on. Final section of the show. United play Leeds on Wednesday. And what, what do you want to see, Rob? What do you, I'll just, I'll just put that question to you. What do you want to see? Well, Premier League Manchester United playing championship Leeds United. So I quite like that as a start off, you know, I'm, Old school, Leeds mean a lot to me in that context. I don't like Leeds United, just like I don't like some of those other teams. Um, but what do I want to see? I, it's the start, isn't it, again, of a new journey. Like I always feel like this every season, that even when you get to the end of a campaign, if it's been good or bad, generally, like we're knackered. Like At the end of a season, you kind of go, last game of the season, Old Trafford. It's like, it's been another long one. I'm tired. And you get a few weeks, and enough never stops because the transfer window's open. And you're into the first game of preseason, and it's a it's a bit of rejuvenation. So that's what I want to see. I'd like to see new things. I'd like to see Mason Mount play, like even just some minutes. But I want to see which kids look like they might be able to step up and help United this year. Um, all those guys who've been in preseason a little bit earlier, you know, they deserve minutes, so they'll be out there. I'm not that interested in seeing Marcus Rashford play. I'm not that interested in seeing. You know, like you said, Harry Maguire, though, he might well play at some point, no doubt, in pre-season. Um, but I just want to see what Ten Hag wants to do this year, because I think that the 4-1-5 we saw last season will get replicated. But I do also think we'll see more bona fide 4-3-3, more bona fide 4-3-3. And that will be the Mason Mount factor, because I think he will play the eight and I think he'll play with two eights. Quite often it will be Bruno in him. Sometimes I think it'll be Ericsson in him, might even be... Scott McTominay and him at some point, just depending on your chemistry. Um, but that's what I want to see. I want to see the first game of the season. I want to write down a note and say, right, what did we see? Anything tactically that was different from 12 months ago? Echo that, Rob. Obviously, <laughs> I, I like the way that you opened that up. Premier League versus Championship Leeds United. <laughs> I, would, I do quite like watching those games in the Premier League just because, you know, it is nice to smash leads, but you know. Yeah, look, yeah, look. You you want to play your rivals, but when your rivals don't do so well, it's kind of, kind of nice as well, isn't it? You know, when they get relegated, you kind of go, oh, you don't feel sad for them, do you? It's not like, oh, we won't pay you next year. That's really sad, isn't it? Well, no, 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 no. You got to fight now to get yourself back up into the Premier League. Leeds were rightfully relegated, weren't they? <laughs> Doesn't mean they can't beat us in a pre-season friendly like that's happened before in the past, um, but. Uh, but yeah, it's it, there's going to be a lot of that this year. You know, I think with Man United, the expectations are going to be there to beat teams again, isn't it? Whereas I would say 12 months, 24 months ago, there was less expectations to, to win football matches. I think that's returned. United play Leeds on Wednesday and uh, first pre-season friendly. Then they have a tour of the US coming up. There's other, there's, they got tons of friendlies, actually. Mm. Getting started early, getting pre-season habits right down early on from July the 12th, which is uh, pretty mad. But on July 28th, we'll be at UnitedCon in Las Vegas. So visit united-con.com to book your place now. Plenty 
of familiar faces to be joining us out there. United play Dortmund out in Vegas. So yes, uh, united-con.com to book your place. Any final thoughts before we sign off? No, I think it's going to get a little bit busier now. Like, I do think outgoings will be the next thing at Manchester United. I know it's always a gripe for a lot of United fans about the, the pace of these things, but it is all going on behind the scenes. And as I said on the show, I do think that Fred and Donny are, are surplus to requirements. They might be the first two out the door. It'd be just interesting where Fred ends up because I think there's a few teams knocking on the door for him. So, uh, again, it would be good luck to him wherever he goes. I, mean, I think he served United well. But there's going to be maybe a few. Like, and I think Maguire still, there is still an opportunity maybe towards the end of the transfer window where if the right offer comes in, United might accept it. Yes, indeed. Uh, we will be back later this week to talk more about Man United's preseason. Any potential transfers that might happen since or in this time till we next record. Andre Onana potentially going to be a United player because all they have really at the moment is Tom Heaton who could himself leave. Uh, Dean Henderson expected to leave once Onana signs as well. Maybe he'll be the first. Maybe he'll be the first at the door. Well, we haven't talked about him today, but yes, United need to shift a lot of players if they're going to reinvest in the squad, but we'll see how it goes. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube. So head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us as well on anything we've discussed today. Follow us on social networks like Twitter at underscore Rob underscore B at Promise and MU for the show. And at double underscore Scott Saunders for me on all of the social platforms, including Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, etc. And obviously, just mentioned there, UnitedCon July 28th. Visit united-con.com to book your place now. Rob, thank you very much for another Promise Land podcast. We'll be back, everyone, later this week. Until then, have a great week, everyone. See you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.